personality of God. The well-wisher of the ghostly characters. Paritaha. Surrounded by. Bhutaparshad bihi. By ghostly companions. Prashena. On the back of the bull carrier. Atati. Travels. Bhutarat. The king of the ghosts. Translation This is still Kashyapa to Diti. Lord Shiva, the king of the ghosts, sitting on the back of his bull carrier, travels at this time, accompanied by ghosts who follow him for their welfare. Please repeat Lord Shiva. The king of the ghosts, sitting on the back of his bull carrier, travels at this time, accompanied by ghosts who follow him for their welfare. Srila Prabhupada's purport, Lord Shiva or Rudra is the king of the ghosts. Ghostly characters worship Lord Shiva to be gradually guided toward the toward a path of self-realization. Mayavadi philosophers are mostly worshippers of Lord Shiva. And Sripad Shankaracharya is considered to be the incarnation of Lord Shiva for preaching godlessness to the Mayavadi philosophers. Ghosts are bereft of a physical body because of their grievously sinful acts such as suicide. The last resort of the ghostly characters in human society is to take shelter of suicide. Interesting phrase, take shelter of suicide. Either material or spiritual. Material suicide causes loss of the physical body and spiritual suicide causes loss of the individual identity. Mayavadi philosophers desire to lose their individuality and merge into the impersonal spiritual Brahma-jyoti existence. Lord Shiva, being very kind to the ghosts, sees that although they are condemned, they get physical bodies. He places them into the wombs of women who indulge in sexual intercourse regardless of the restrictions on time and circumstance. Kashyapa wanted to impress this fact upon Diti so that she might wait for a while. Srila Prabhupada ki Oma Gyanati Manandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Balitam Jina Tasmai Shri Gavay Namaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master is very kindly opening my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. So Bhagavan Bhuta Bhavana Bhavana? Is it? Bhagavan? Yeah, Bhavana. Uh, which means the personality of God, God who is the well-wisher of the ghostly characters. So that's Lord Shiva. Not only Krishna is called Bhagavan, but sometimes Narada Muni is called Bhagavan. Here Lord Shiva is called Bhagavan. Um, and the pure devotee is sometimes called Bhagavan because because he's on the same qualitatively on the same level as the Lord.
Krishna is so compassionate that he wants everybody home, even the ghosts, because nobody's really a ghost. Everybody's who they are materially, but spiritually, deep down, we're all parts and parcels of Krishna. So Krishna doesn't leave anybody out. Um, so even though Lord Shiva is called Bhagavan, he's not Bhagavan Svayam. He's uh, Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of Godhead. Shiva is actually his own. He's like no one else. He's Shiva Tattva. Jiva has up to 78% of Krishna's qualities in minute quantity. Shiva has 83% of Krishna's qualities in minute quantity. Uh, and even Narayan, 94% of Krishna's qualities in minute quantity. Uh, only, But only Krishna, even beyond Narayan, only Krishna plays the flute, only Krishna, what are the three others? He's, he has very intimate, loving pastimes with his devotees. He's the most beautiful, is that one? Okay, and what's the other one? He's surrounded by loving devotees. Yeah, I said that. Pastimes, Yeah, I think I merged two there. Okay. Yeah. So, Ete Chamsa Kalakpungsa Krishnas to Bhagavan Svayam. That's Jiva Goswami said, that's the Mahavakya, that's the ultimate verse in Bhagavatam. What do you call it? Paribhasa Sutra. That's the, that's the verse around which all the other 18,000 verses relate to that. Sandhyayam. So that's a third juncture. You know, there's three. Sun, every day now, it's getting later, right? For sunrise. <laughs> there's uh, night into day. Then there's morning into afternoon, and then so the third one is uh, day into night, and that's the time when Lord Shiva is engaged very uh, um, actively with his followers. What a service, huh? Lord Shiva, Vaishnavana Gita Shambhu. He's the topmost Vaishnav, but he always appears to be like bizarre, grotesque. Because he's he's the leader of the, the lowest of the low, who takes shelter of him. And again, that's the beauty of the Vedic culture. It's it's so comprehensive and inclusive that everybody has an opportunity to get aboard, no matter how far we've sunk into Tamagun, the darkest darkness. But there's a there's an Ishta Dave. <laughs> there's a there's a worshipable personality to take shelter of, even in that abysmal condition. So uh, that's Krishna. So compassionate. In his guna avatar as Lord Shiva. Okay. Hmm. So it's it's twilight. Twilight time. So uh, that's a subtle law of nature, that that's an inauspicious time. And as far as possible, devotees observe, observe these subtle laws of nature. We don't try to defy them, thinking that we're transcendental. But if we, ha if we can't observe them circumstantially, then we depend on Krishna to preserve what we have and carry what we lack and trust. Just like Prabhupada, he would observe Rahukala. As far as possible, he wouldn't travel on Thursday afternoon. But then he would put his bag out earlier. That's, that's what Srila Bhakti Siddhanta did too. So following his Guru Maharaj, he'd start the journey by putting the bag out 
outside the door early. Mm. Um, and a codice, it's a day to uh, hear and chant more and, and eat less and you know not attend to other business. Of course, all all business is Krishna's business for a devotee. But specifically, Shravanam Kirtana being the most intense and, and fundamental of, of the processes of devotional service, devotees try to uh, do that. So on Akadasi, I kind of observe that in a token way. I chant one extra round. I call my Akadasi round. <laughs> At least let me hear this round. <laughs> what did Vaisheshik Babu say yesterday? He said, if you're very advanced, you, how many? Ten. Ten. Ten names. Ten names. Ten mantras. Ten, ten full mantras. mantras. Yeah. And when I heard that, I thought, well, that's not, what is that? That's not much. And then he said, if you're intermediate, it's five. Yeah. And then if you're a beginner, it's one. And then I, then I thought, wait a minute, if I can chant one full whole mantra, 16 names, really hearing every name, that's huge. Yeah. So he knew what he was saying, actually. But I was dismissing it. And, and, and then as he kept talking, I thought, hmm. He's waking me up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so even ghosts can be elevated. Now I'm going to ask the audience, because it's 8.14. No, not questions. Can anybody tell, even if we've all heard it before, a Prabhupada story involving ghosts? How Prabhupada, being very compassionate, like Lord Shiva, he... Uh, Elevated, liberated, free to ghost, and free the devotees, perhaps, who are afraid of the ghost. <laughs> Anyone? Yes, Ananta G. Oh, it seems like we already talked about this a little bit anyway. Maybe I wasn't here. I haven't heard it. <laughs> Everyone likes ghost stories, right? It's Prabhupada ghost stories. I can't remember the name of the town in India, northern India, where he was working. Oh. But when he had his family, he was going to rent a house in this town, hmm. and there was a big house. Hmm. Oh, Kanpur, Kanpur. He was going to buy this place. And no one would rent it, or no one would take it, yeah. no one would live in it. Yeah. But uh, it was a thousand dollars, a thousand rupees? rupees a month or something, he said. So uh, he took it for 200 from the owner because... Couldn't you know, get rid of it. When he told this, the whole audience laughed. Huh. It was probably so... You know, clever that way. I'll take it for 200. Then he just went in there and chanted Hare Krishna, and there was no problem. <laughs> but nobody would go in that house. Even servants didn't want to work in there. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, Prabhupada drove a hard bargain for Krishna, you're right. Um, but then the whole thing didn't work. Why, do you know? No. Because Prabhupada's family in Calcutta wouldn't release Garanga, their family's top servant best servant to help uh, Pita, you know, improve, increase the business. It was a perfect facility for increasing uh, the pharmaceutical business, producing and selling. And so Prabhupada got so disgusted with him. Anyway, that's another ghost story. <laughs> Anywhere, any other, uh, how about in uh, ISKCON, his pastimes in ISKCON? I, I don't know the details, but I think most of us have heard about Bhakti Vedanta Manor. Huh. The, the manner that George Harrison donated? Yeah, but that's... Okay, were there ghost stories there? Yeah, probably were. Was John oh, well, that's, yeah. another, that's another story. That's the one I've been thinking of. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you know that story? 
I just I just remember Rude saying that um, you know it was haunted. Yeah, so Lennon, he and Yoko had just moved there, Tittenhurst in Ascot, England. And so uh, when George realized that the devotees didn't have a place to live while they were busy, they were fixing up Berry Place. But in the meantime, they didn't have a place. So George approached John and said, Hey, John, the devotees don't have a place to live while they're fixing up their place in London, which George had under, underwritten. George had guaranteed the loan only because it was George that the that bankers accepted. <laughs> Otherwise, who are these weirdos from America? You know, right in the classy part of London, near the British Museum. So anyway, George underwrote the loan. And then, uh, yeah, he approached John, and John said, well, that's great. I just moved into Tittenhurst, and I need help fixing my place up. So if they, I'll give them a place to stay if they help me renovate the place. So he did. So he, they did. But there was one cottage where, where John's groundskeepers, it was, it was a husband and wife actually, landscapers, they had a little cottage on the property. But they were being uh, terrorized by ghosts. So uh, I think the devotees first tried to get rid of them by chanting. And then Prabhupada said, okay, let's lead a mass Harinam throughout the place. And then for many hours, they were in that house just chanting Hare Krishna at the top of their lungs, and Prabhupada was there, and they were blowing conches. And then, sure enough, the landscapers reported the next night, oh, thank you so much that we didn't get bothered anymore. He wasn't able to sleep because you heard this... Chains. Rattling of chains. Yes. So it sounded like a body being dragged yes. Yeah. That's very often what ghosts do, because that's the, the punishment for grievous, Prophet puts here, grievously sinful activities. So very often the punishment is you get, a, you get a subtle body, but you don't have a gross body to fulfill your desires. So your only pleasure is inhabiting other bodies or other places and just trying to uh, scare people or take over their bodies. You know, it's a really grotesque, uh, term of existence being a ghost. So Prabhupada, he, he uh, got rid of the ghost for the, for the landscapers and then he freed the ghost from that uh, term of existence and he moved them on. So that's the mercy of the pure devotee. You know, there's a difference between my chanting and the pure devotee's chanting, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur put it. Nama kara bahir hoi, nama nahi hoi, in Harinam Chintamani. Merely mouthing the external syllables of the holy name does not mean that one is actually chanting Shudanam, the pure name. That's okay. We're in the clearing state. We're trying to clear up, you know, our mad mind and offenses. But there's a difference in quality. Uh, yeah. So Prabhupada did that, and John and Yoko were pleased, and the landscapers were pleased, the devotees were pleased. Okay. Um, so, as Mayavadis who commit spiritual suicide by merging their identity into the Lord's aura, uh, they worship Shiva, who came as the biggest Mayavadi, Shankaracharya. That's in the Shastra. That I will come, um, Lord Shiva says. Is it in the Shiva Purana? No. No. Bhagavatam? I can find where it is. Okay, please. 
I will come disguised uh, as a Brahmin preaching uh, Mayavad philosophy, impersonalism, because he was the bridge between Buddha and Vaishnava. Uh, it was too much of a stretch to get people into pure Vaishnava philosophy straight from Buddhism. So he came reestablishing the Vedas, uh, reestablishing the idea of an absolute truth, not that there's nothing, it's all void. But seeing that, that juggling the Vedas and uh, establishing the truth as impersonal. So interesting, spiritual suicide and material suicide. That's really the theme today of, of Prabhupada's purport, uh, taking the opportunity of Lord Sh of Kashyapa saying, Lord Shiva, the king of the ghosts, king of the ghosts, that doesn't mean he is a ghost. Bhagavan, but it's not Bhagavan Svayana. He's king of the ghosts, which means he supervises the ghosts, gives them shelter. And he looks pretty grotesque and ghostly, you could say, himself. He's really in the role. He's playing the role. And therefore, they're attracted to him. He's the supreme among them, but he's not them, as Prabhupada would say. Just because the governor visits the prison doesn't mean the governor is now one of the prisoners. But he gives them shelter. Um, and they start elevating through the modes of nature. Yeah. We don't do that in Kali Yoga. Even if we came from ghostly backgrounds, we don't have to... There's no time for a gradual elevation through the modes and through the Puranas and through the Yishta Devs. We just chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> Bhakti Thakur says, under the guidance of a pure devotee, chant Hare Krishna, follow his instructions, and you can be expressed back to Godhead. That's what we need. Express express process. Okay, please. What is it? Padma Purana. Padma. Okay, it's in the mode of goodness Purana. You want to recite? Lord Shiva informed the goddess Durga, the superintendent of the material world, quote, In the age of Kali, I take the form of a Brahmana, and explain the Vedas through false scriptures in an atheistic way, similar to Buddhist philosophy. <laughs> Covered Buddhism, Prabhupada called it. So clear. Covered by the dress of Veda, but twisted. Samprapte sanehite kale kale nahi nahi rakshati dukrin karane bhajagovinda. Oh, worship Govinda, you fools and rascals, my dear disciples. The grammatical word jugglery of prefixes and suffixes and, and grammatical manipulation will not save you at the time of death. But to go in them, but to go in them. Okay. Now, um, I've told you before how my father took his own life. So, uh, so ordinarily when you do that, that's really bad karma, because you're trashing the vehicle Krishna's given you to realize him. It's really offensive. The human form is meant to realize God. But uh, Dad made a conscious choice to not go that path. Even, and as I mentioned, even it was, I mean, with hindsight, it's so comical how, even when we did the church thing for two years, that was... He became a Sunday school teacher. He didn't even believe in God. But he, it's weird. Huh? Isn't Kali Yuga weird? Yeah. 
But let's do the church thing. Yeah. So because he was a businessman, he probably thought it would enhance his prestige being a churchgoer or something. I don't know. It's in the 12th canto, right? It says huh? What? People will go to church strictly for reputation. Is that what it says? Yeah. I think in the 12th. Now you got to be like Duran. you got to have the verse at you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's your homework. But it's in there, though. That's Okay, I like it. That's what they all say, you know. That's in terms of how you go. 12th Gano? Yeah. Advertise themselves as being... Yeah, that makes sense. For the sake of reputation. Okay, well, I'd like to hear the first. (laughs) But I believe it. All right. So so we did the church thing. All the kids got baptized and confirmed. Mom didn't go, though, because she had already been burned to to a crisp by the Catholic Church when she was a kid. (laughs) I told you how the nuns used to beat her left hand because she was a lefty. Not that. Yeah, really? and that was of the devil. Yeah, oh my God. So, but, but where was her response? To throw everything out with the bathwater? You got bad nuns? Okay, reject the church, reject God. You know. Not too common. Yeah. So, um, so we did the church thing for a couple of years. And then he didn't show up. All of a sudden he stopped going. And so the minister came to the house. Hey, Ken, what, where are you? Where have you been? Everybody's waiting for your class. And so my father says, well, Reverend Howell, how do we know that Jesus Christ ever even existed? It could have been just made up. You know, he just came at him with all this, you know, doubting Thomas stuff. And so that was it. So we stopped going to church. <laughs> but even the atheists... Uh, when something bad happens, oh God, it's like a human reflex. Oh God. Of course, they think it's just a, you know, a vernacular thing, reflex, some linguistic reflex. But it's natural. So anyway, um, yeah, but even when we were doing the church thing, I told you my father, he he would come uh, up to our room and then he'd, uh, say the Lord's Prayer with us, you know, our Father who art in heaven. And uh, uh, forever and ever, amen, at the end. And then he gave the purport. Do you remember what the purport was? I told you. Mm-hmm. Son, did you ever try to imagine what nothing is like? Just nothing. And that terrified me, because I would try to do that. I would try to imagine nothing, and I couldn't do it. You know, what's beyond the beyond, right? And your mind just goes... (laughs) So, what's what's beyond the beyond? Nothing. So then, he, you know, I told you he was 89, going on 90, and and then, you know, he was very active and vigorous in his 80s. And then right in his last year, everything fell apart physically, right? His eyes and a sense of balance, and he couldn't remember things. So he could see his hand, the handwriting on the wall. So this was in uh, 2005. And then uh, all of us siblings, he had, we had, they had six kids, and uh, we started, he had, he start, we didn't know this, that he was doing it with every one of us. But after the after the event, uh, we compared notes and what how he'd been relating to us. So before he passed on, he gifted us 
either in money or some material good, right? Uh, because he was planning his own demise, and his second wife, who was a paralegal, had uh, finagled everything, so she was going to get everything, right? Going to get all the bucks and all the the, the, the properties, and the, he was he had some assets, you know. So anyway, so he knew that she would she was doing that, and so he wanted to give us some goodbye present. Yeah, he paid for my tuition. Yeah, I was going to college at that time in Hawaii. And as I was living in the temple, I was getting a degree in linguistics. So he paid for that because he was so pleased I was getting all A's. Right? Yeah, you were just a ne'er-do-well at Isk and Yukon, but now you're just all A's. You know, get on you. <laughs> so, so I said, thanks a lot. You don't have to do that, Dad. But uh, I, I really appreciate it, you know. And then yeah, and then he did the the deed, and then at the funeral or at the uh, yeah at the the wake the wake he he because he was I mean we knew he didn't he didn't believe in anything but he proved it now so at, uh, at the funeral home uh, there was just a, a monolith uh, like the table or something you know and then there was a plaque. Kenneth L. Hall, born Fall River, Massachusetts, January 20th, 1916, uh, died, uh, was it? No, November 29th. It was right around the time, George. I mean, by the count, not by the same year, but right at the end of November. Oh, it was the day before my birthday, yeah, November 30th, yeah, the day after George's. So, uh, died November 30th. Uh, 2005, Stanford, Connecticut. And so all of us kids were there in the room just reading this plaque. It was like weird, you know, nothing, nothing else there. <clears throat> and then, uh, and then the, 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 the grieving wife, you know, feigning tears because she was getting everything. So she was feigning tears and her daughter and then, and then we went out to, afterwards we went out to a, a restaurant. And they were all smiles and yucking it up, you know, getting drunk and everything, right? And then we went to the condo where they lived. And it's 8.31, I'll just end quickly. And then uh, we were all telling dad stories. And she had all of, we didn't even know it, but he had all these poems and stories he had written, but they were all voidistic. It was all about the void. We, he never showed us this stuff. And then she brought out the will. <laughs> and, and there was, at the end of the will, there was the last thing my father wrote in the will. Do you remember what I said? This is the, like the punchline. This is a classic dad. He said, and this is my last will and testament. I want no observance in the paper, the Stanford advocate. I want no ceremony. I mean, even what we were doing was probably against his will, you know, gathering and observing the fact that he existed, that he lived. Uh, and I want no ceremony or, or burial or anything. He just had his body cremated. And then he said, and if you don't follow this, 
I will come back and haunt the hell out of you. That's right in the will. And haunt the hell out. So he, there, right in there is a contradiction. If, if, it's, if it's nothing, then what comes back? Right. And he wants to, he's going to be a ghost? Nothing exists, really, even ghosts. So it's a non-starter. <laughs> atheism. atheism and voidism is a non-starter. So Lord Shiva, he saves all these lower beings. And we were all ghostly, haunted. <laughs> so all glory to Srila Prabhupada. And now we're going to start prepping for the, okay, for tonight's concert. Srila Prabhupada, he died. Evil. Personal, personal reflections. <laughs>